Hello, hello. You have found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today, we are mourning the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We were recording on Sunday, and we learned about her death on Friday late afternoon. Mm -hmm. So we want to talk about her. As well as Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we are going mm -hmm. to talk about autocracy and our potential for it. And we wanted to discuss some things about COVID, such as what we would do if we had a day without COVID oh. and what we would do if we chose to keep one thing from COVID once the, it's over. The brighter side. The brighter side of coronavirus. When I heard about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I was on a Zoom call with three other women and one of them broke into the conversation and said, you guys, you guys. And I thought, oh, it could be anything like Joe Biden's numbers in Michigan have tanked. When she said it, we all screamed. Oh, wow. Like a Greek chorus. Exactly. And my head spun, my, my heart sank, and I called you and told you, figuring that you had already seen it on one of your many news sites. It's, it's odd that I hadn't because I work during the day, but every five minutes I'm looking at politicalwire.com. I but know. I, but my God, my stomach just felt, it felt like my, my stomach felt like that elevator. Have you ever gone on that ride at Disneyland, yeah. the, the Twilight oh, Zone, yes. Tower of Terror? It's, my stomach felt like that ride where you suddenly drop yeah. and you have no idea how much yeah. further you're going to drop. It was just so, such a shock. And I had just been thinking, gosh, we're practically to October. I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. I think, I think RBG yeah. is going to pull it out. I did too. I just kept thinking, well, but you know, even having said that, I pinned it on November 3rd, but had she died on November 4th, they would have crammed they'll somebody. They'll still be through. trying. Yeah. They'll they would trying. still be trying. Yeah. By the way, I, I want to say some things about Ruth Bader Ginsburg because oh, yeah. she we was got I took us so, off the road. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Okay. I have been reading about her, and I've read about her before, mm -hmm. and what she had to go through when she graduated from, uh, she, she went to Harvard, she had to move to Columbia because her husband had got a job in New York, wow. and she wanted to graduate under the banner of uh, Harvard because okay. they made those allowances for some people. They didn't make it for her. So instead of graduating from law school at Harvard, she graduated. Technically, she had three years at Harvard, but she graduated from Columbia. So she wasn't able to get a job in New York at all. She ended up teaching at Rutgers. Mm -hmm. And she persevered and persevered. And, you know, she was in this marriage that was so remarkable because her husband really supported her. And he lobbied for her to be Supreme Court justice. He talked to everybody he could to support her in her efforts. And he did the cooking. She was forbidden by her children from going into the kitchen at all. They had a, a really righteous marriage in that it was equal. And there right. were times when his career took a backseat to hers. Mm -hmm. And he died in 2010. Marty was his name, Marty Ginsburg. Mm -hmm. And even before she got to the Supreme Court, she argued that the Constitution meant women too. But because it was all men she was arguing to, they didn't see that constitutionally, on the basis of sex, meant either sex. Right. Neither sex should be discriminated against. And right. she did it in a very clever way. The first people that she represented to the court were two men who mm -hmm. were being discriminated against. It was what the, right. film, the dramatic film was made about. 
by, on the basis of sex. On the basis of sex, right. And it took that kind of wisdom to be right. able to, How to get frame out it. in front of it, yes, mm -hmm. and to be able to persuade these men, and ultimately Sandra Day O'Connor, but right. eight men, right. that women were protected under the Constitution. And her stand on that was so far-reaching. Mm -hmm. And what she did for women and for men, what she right. did for, right. for both sexes right. was remarkable. And just I, her, her gentility and her mm -hmm. intelligence and her wisdom. Yeah, she's like one of those great leaders in the freedom struggles that we know about, like a Martin Luther King or a, or Gandhi. a Gandhi, where what lends them greatness is they have an ability to consistently, fiercely fight mm -hmm. for right as they see it, mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem to consume them and it doesn't seem to embitter them. Mm -hmm. they, they are able somehow to stay loving yes. and almost, you could say, cheerful in the face of unmistakable hatred and discrimination. And I that's what sets them apart from the rest of, we're, we're, we're not like them. <laughs> they're, they're different from us. They are different you know? from us. And she, to me, was luminous mm -hmm. in her mission and her cause. Yeah, I love that word you chose for her. And it's so literally true. A friend of mine recently changed her Facebook photo to a photo of Ginsburg. Uh -huh. So I thought, that's cool. I'm going to do that too. So I went online to look through Google Images and find shots of her. And there are hundreds of shots of her. She's elderly. She's she's clearly showing her 87 years, but yeah. there's a glow that comes through. And there's a smile that shows up. I don't know. I think some of these people have, uh, maybe they had good parenting or something, but they, they, seem yes. to have, they seem to have a love of the human condition and they seem to be able to honor the humanity of even the people who disagree with them most harshly and you know, you know she was very good friends with Antonin Scalia that's what I was just thinking about yeah there was an opera made of their relationship <laughs> Ginsburg and Scalia I'm not sure if that's the right order and I think that was another thing that spoke to her love of humanity was the fact that she could yeah. go beyond ideology and right someone who was as ideological and ossified yeah. as Antonin Scalia was. So, so how do you feel today compared to how you felt when you heard the news? Well, I'm still devastated. I'm, I'm devastated at the implications for the court and the topics that are going to be coming up very soon, one of which is abortion. And honestly, I think if abortion is overturned, women will, should, but will go into the streets and march. I mean, it's ridiculous. The two top people who were being mentioned are a woman named Barrett and the other, I, her last name starts with a B and I don't remember her last name. So there are two women, but that doesn't give me any comfort at all. That oh, no, going no, to be they're right to lifers. Yes, Or they, exactly. wouldn't be, they wouldn't be nominated in the first place. So I think I'm just getting used to the feeling I don't think I'm any less devastated than I was. Mm -hmm. I, I also did hear, and it, it's possible to imagine, that McConnell would just ram somebody through without hearings. He could mm -hmm. do that. There would be hell to pay. Chuck Schumer said, he was quoted, uh, did you see that quote of him, nothing is off the table? If they do this, nothing is off the table for next year. Which right. I assume means the two things that I think would balance it out are if we expanded the court mm -hmm. and if we had Washington and Puerto Rico become states. Right. So I think- With two senators each. Yes. Yeah, I like that. And also getting rid of the filibuster, but just like we got rid of the filibuster 
filibuster for the lower courts and right. then McConnell got rid of it for the Supreme Court. If yeah. we get rid of it altogether, there will be some other repercussion. There always yeah. is. Which, you know, I never realized till now. I always think of Trump as this big threat to democracy, and he is. But McConnell, too. I saw oh, him yeah. as just an instrument of the Senate, and, he, you know, he, he wields the rules in such a way that he gets his way and the way of his party, which is now the Trump party. They just only live to officiate anything that Donald Trump says or, or does or wants. That's right. Um, there's no core principles anymore. They didn't even have a platform. Their only platform this year was we support President Trump in whatever he does. So half of the country, well, not half because there aren't that many hardcore Republicans, but a good third of the country say that identify as true yeah. Republicans, they've already made their case. They want dictatorship. They said as much in their party platform. But I didn't see McConnell as such a, a player as he is in the destruction of American democratic norms. And what flipped you over to that side? Well, like what he did and what he's going to do. He stood in the way of the Constitution when he didn't allow Merrick Garland's nomination to be voted on. And he, that didn't, and, and he that. He thwarted the U.S. Constitution. Yes. In, and that was dictatorial. And I didn't see it in that context till now. When, uh, when I'm seeing more about what he's doing. You didn't. That's so interesting. I knew it was wrong. I knew it was wayward. I knew it. I didn't like it, but I didn't see it as threatening the core of our democratic institutions. The okay. Way I do okay. No, he is, as has been said many times since RBG died, Mitch McConnell is about power. I mean, it was said before she died, but it's being said now because that's the road that he's paved for himself. He wants right. power. I think why it was harder for me to see it before was that I saw him as a Republican, and I still had this idea, this quaint idea, that Republicans stand for something other than having power, oh. that they have principles. But there are no principles anymore. The only principle of the Republican Party is having power. Yeah. You know. Well, Mitch McConnell said to his Senate colleagues, my second wife is going to be a rich woman. And he married Ellen Chow, who right. was the head of transportation and the daughter of a shipping magnate. But that's that in and of itself doesn't bother me. Okay. You know, that's just being conniving or manipulative or controlling, but not taking an axe to the root of, of the American way of political life. The other thing that really concerns me, and I am trying not to get into the hysterics of everybody talking about that the election will be such that Trump will refuse to leave. The thing oh. that worries me now, really does worry me, is that the court will be in line to do another Bush v. Gore. Oh. If it goes in that direction. If it goes to the Supreme Court, then the lineup is going to be such that it would go in his favor. And that worries me a lot. Right. I was telling you this article I found, I stumbled upon, Washington Post, September 18th, the United States is backsliding into autocracy under Trump scholars warn. And they said one of the other dangers about what you're talking about is the more he talks to delegitimize the electoral process, the higher our chances of slipping into autocracy or dictatorship. Yes. Because so much of our system we're learning simply depends on our collective voluntary agreement to respect certain practices and norms. We have agreed that an election isn't an election and the results are the results. And that's being ripped out. Trump is trying to rip that out. So if the election is at all close, either way, at least half the country will think it's not legitimate and there will be trouble and it will be 
easier for McConnell types to walk in and say, well, we can't have this chaos. I'm going to take charge. So I'm so much less sure of our ability to survive as a so-called democracy. But what this has also taught me is we were never all that much of a democracy to begin with. We have this whole setup like the Senate. There's nothing democratic about the Senate. You have two you have two senators representing Wyoming and their votes represent, maybe they represent like a few thousand people each. 30,000 people each probably. Maybe less. And then you have two from California representing millions and millions of people. Yeah. But there's no equity in terms of the voting process. I'm just looking at, it talks about five or six categories by which you measure whether a country is slipping into dictatorship or not. And these two political scientists came up with it. And some of the things they look at are the presence of legislative checks on executive power. Which we don't have now. Which we've lost. Freedom of personal expression. Which which we're losing. Yeah, in Portland and in Lafayette Square in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere. Not only that, but Trump people are attacking other people for wearing masks. Oh, right. It's a way of taking away freedom of expression. And also, I think today there was a story that in Virginia, they're starting early voting. And you had a bunch of Trump people screaming at the voters as they showed up to vote to try to intimidate them. It is illegal to attempt to intimidate a voter. Yes. Some of these other measures are the civility of political discourse, free and open elections, and executive branch corruption. Oh, dear. And they say the United States is backsliding on all those measures. Executive respect for the Constitution is now at the lowest level since 1865. And they say corruption is the worst since Warren Harding. There's two scientists in this article, and one says that it's going to be nasty between Election Day and January 21st. It's going to be bad. One of them says it's going to be be bad, but we're it's going to be bad, but we're going to be okay. We're going to survive it, and we're going to be okay. But the other one says, "Look, if Trump wins, democracy has about two more years before we just go total dictatorship." If that, if that, right? I also am surprised that they didn't mention the The press. The press, exactly, and the corruption of the press that is the mainstay of the conservative wing, Fox News. Yeah, and I think it was was it New Yorker Radio Hour or was it Radio Lab? One of them did a piece on Belarus and this Lukashenko. They're going through what we're about to go through, you know, but they're a little former satellite of the Soviet Union. They're not a country with 200 plus years of tradition of representative government. No, since 94, 1994, that's when he was elected. Oh, let me read you one thing that's really good in this. You'll like this. While these worst case scenarios remain unlikely, we are in unprecedented times and should remain vigilant. People concerned about the outcomes, this this is something you're already doing, get involved in the electoral process to help make things better. Volunteer to become a poll worker or help some get out the vote effort or work with a political party to encourage turnout, to make Mm -hmm. sure your side wins by a clear margin. So there's a hopeful aspect even to this depressing article in that there are actions that people who care about this stuff can take. Groups who fear they're about to lose something important to them are more fired up than groups who want to gain something they don't have yet. This Uh article said that could argue that the fear of loss of of rights brought about by Ginsburg's death and the threat to replace her with somebody very right wing will motivate younger voters, uh, Democrats, younger and, women, certainly, and if younger, they think right, that will motivate more people on the Biden side than on the right to life Trump side because. Mm-hmm. They've already gotten kind of what they want. They've already got a pretty good number of people that line up with them on the court. Yeah, that's 
Well said. Now, should we talk about what we do if we had a day without COVID? Oh, God, yeah. Well, I know what I would do. I would go to my spin class. And, you know, I don't get any exercise anymore. That just has gone. And I'm not seeing my physical therapist for various reasons. I'll be back in physical therapy in a bit, but I may need a hip replacement. There's that. So I just am desperate to get back to my spin class, even though it's in the Hollywood YMCA, which is the Hollywood YMCA. Oh, it's got, uh, it's an institution. It's got history. It's got history. And it's a great place. It is the United Nations of Mm -hmm. gyms. Really. From kings and queens to the scum of the earth. It's the scum of the earth, young and old. I mean, from babies to women who are 90 that I uh-huh. share the locker room That's with. That's amazing, yeah. It is, it is. It's incredible. And it's something that I love about going to the Y is that I see everybody that I would not see normally in my day-to-day life. Yeah. So it's really important to me. And that is what I would do if I had it. Post-COVID, I would jet away to Paris in an instant. Oh, but, um, yes. So you would go on a plane to Paris? I would. Oh, yes, I would. And I will. Just a 24-hour get No, no. I'd book a week and just go and immerse myself. No, but we only have one day. Oh, a day without COVID. Oh, I see. I don't know when it's over. Well, I don't know if I would do that then because I'd spend the whole 24 hours in transit. Yes, you'd be on a plane for most of that time. (laughs) Oh, one day without COVID. I mean, you could go to a film. You could go to a play. You could go. I think I'd go to a a buffet. Would you? Yeah. Because I'd go of a buffet because it's so against the rules now. W- yeah. Would it be an Indian buffet or would it be what it kind of It would be like a Las Vegas buffet with all kinds of Oh, things. and all you can eat. Yeah, I would go to, I guess I oh. would drive to Las Vegas and go to like a really good buffet like at the Mirage, something like that, a nice hotel. Oh, yeah. and would you gamble? Is that part of the, uh, oh, you can I do that I'd now I focus, though. you can gamble now. I think I'd focus on the buffet. And the fact that <laughs> I could breathe all over that food and everyone else could and it would be okay. That's so great. That yeah. is, I, that's something, food is not something that I thought about, actually. I thought about going to a play. I thought about going to a film. Oh, yeah, um, those would be good. All those things that are really going to take time before mm-hmm. work. Because I've gone to a restaurant. I mean, I've had takeout and I, I went to Mr. Marceau. There's a lot of things that I know that you really have appreciated that you've done during your COVID time. So is there one thing in particular that you... That I like would, about it? Well, that you would absolutely keep doing. I think I'd keep over. up home yoga. Uh-huh. I would keep up the more disciplined approach to playing piano every day if I had time. You know, I have so much more time because I'm not driving to work and back. I think so many people are going to be just over their commutes. I plan to lobby for at least a couple of days a week, if not more, of telecommuting. Now, here's my question. Would we continue to do our podcast via Zoom? Oh, oh well. It's better face-to-face. It would all have to come down to me. With, with the, It would come down to the sound quality, I think. I think we're good either way on the dynamics. I think we interact pretty well on Zoom and in person. It's more fun in person. It's so I guess that would argue towards doing it in person. But I'm almost thinking technically, what is the sound better? Whether we either Which way we do it? My sound is not as good. I have flares that I, I'm able to take out technically when I'm right, editing, right. but it'll blare and I'll have a, you don't hear it because I cut them all out. Right, but, but you're, you're a handheld mic now, so that might have something to do with that. It's well, true, it's true. We might have to address that. We'll have to talk to our director, <laughs> see if they can figure out a way around that. Where's the producer when we need the, oh, I am the producer. Oops. <laughs>
You're the suit. I am the suit. <laughs> I used to be a suit. Yes. I know you were a suit, and you, and you wore some fine suits as a Thank suit. You. I appreciate embroidery that. and all kinds of Asian special fabrics and things. Yes. Thank you for remembering that. I remember. It was impressive. I'm pleased. Yeah. Well, those those have gone by the wayside. Mm. Sadly, I will probably never be wearing a suit again, but that's okay. I, mm. I had my day. I had my suit day <laughs> <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> well, I think we have run out of time. Oh, my God. We're going to have to say goodbye to our boomer friends. Hi, boomers. Thanks Bye, for tuning boomers. in. Yeah, stay safe. Yeah, and, and we'll carry on the fight. Don't give up. We'll carry on the fight, and we will talk to you again in a week. Yep. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you.